Shop amazing specials now while supplies last at Macy's Gifts You'll Love to Give sale. Like great deals on coats for him and her from Calvin Klein, Ann Klein, and more top designers. Just $100 and under. Save big on handbags and wallets now 40% off. And create a cozy retreat at home with 70% off warm throws and flannel bedding from Martha Stewart Collection. Now through Thursday at Macy's. Plus, get $10 in Macy's money for every $50 spent. Up to $40 Macy's money. Today's guest is Kirsten Gross, Manager of Football Administration for NFL Team Atlanta Falcons. Originally from Canada, Kirsten studied psychology in Ontario for her undergrad, but went on to apply for grad school for sports administration at Ohio University. After completing that program, Kirsten went on to A, coin a job application tactic now infamously known as the Starbucks plan, and B, land a job at her first NFL team. I won't tell you what the Starbucks pun is. I'll let you listen to Kirsten tell it firsthand during the interview. Today, Kirsten's worked at organizations including the Jaguars and Kobe's Mamba Academy. All right, gals, thanks for tuning in. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It means absolutely everything to us. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Working Gals Guide. Thanks so much again for tuning in. And without further ado, here's the episode. Hey, Kirsten, how's it going? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. So everyone heard the introduction, but just to quickly recap, if you don't mind just giving us a quick introduction of yourself from your perspective. Sure. My name is Kirsten Groves, and I am the manager of football administration for the Atlanta Falcons, which essentially means I do player contracts and salary cap analysis for the team. I guess maybe let's start at the beginning. So you grew up in Canada. Uh, Were you a football fan growing up or an NFL fan in general? I actually wasn't. I had never even watched a football game until I started at Wilfrid Laurier University um, because I grew up in a small Canadian hockey town three hours north of Toronto named King Carden. And we actually didn't even have football in high school. And my parents weren't sports people per se so we didn't really pay a lot of attention to um, football or anything like that on tv so I didn't see my first game until college and when I did I really fell in love with it so I guess in a sense I'm still relatively new to the sport and I wasn't a fan my entire life Hmm. That's so interesting because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they almost follow sports when they're younger than they get into the sports industry somehow. But it's interesting how you you gone to sports, and I mean, it really just goes to show that if you have that business mindset and you have a lot of those kind of core skills that you need for any sort of role, you can really make it and you know really kill it in any role that you end up in. Absolutely, I think you know it's there's so many people say that to get into sports or football, you either have need to play the sport or, you know, even just be a fan all your life. But I don't, I don't think that's the case. And hopefully I'm also living testimony that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can pick it up late and still go for it and be successful. That's awesome. I mean, it's so cool that you got here. I feel like being someone who works for just a team in the NFL is one of those dreams. Um, Kind of weird tidbit, but my sister was at Costco yesterday and this guy had a tattoo of the NFL logo on his calf. And oh. 
And she goes, he didn't look like a football player. I don't know why he'd be in Vancouver if he was, um, but I feel like he just <laughs> loves the NFL and that's why he got the tattoo. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it just ironically that I'm going to be talking to you today, the day later, but, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like having this, you know, undying passion for sports is part of everyone's lives. So I think you're really working in a dream job, being able to interact with the administration and the players and all of that. Yeah, I, you know, I would agree with that too. I believe I am working my dream job and sometimes I still can't believe it myself, you know, Mm -hmm. coming into work every day or working remotely as we have been for the past five months. It's, I know that I'm very lucky and very blessed and um, I don't take it for granted for one minute. For sure, for sure. Um, And I know a lot of hard work went into that too. So it's not like we just land there. You just landed there. It's definitely, you know, a product of a lot of hard work and we're going to get into it, but an amazing story where you actually got your first job in the NFL. But to kind of kick things off, did you, and I think I do know, but you had your first job in the CFL before you actually went to the NFL. Is that correct? Yes. So I actually interned with the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a season and then was also an operations assistant for I'd say about half a season before going to grad school at Ohio University. So um, a good year and a half with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and I absolutely loved it and I have so much love for the CFL in general. I think it's an awesome league. Amazing. And going into grad school, did you know that you wanted to pursue something to do with sports based on your internship and kind of the maybe the love that you felt um, from working at such an organization? Was that kind of what drove you to go to grad school and pursue that? Or was it, you know, something else? You know, I think when I was in undergrad in Canada, so I took psychology in undergrad and for a long time until I got involved with the team, I thought I was going to be a psychologist. And at the time in Canada, and I don't know if it's still that way in Canada, but if you wanted to go to graduate school, you generally went for a very traditional field. So you, you could get your MBA or you'd go to law school or, you know, you were continuing your education to become a doctor of some sort. And there weren't really a ton of opportunities, I think, maybe Brock might have been the only school, but there, there weren't a lot of opportunities at the time to manage in sport administration or um, even do any type of graduate degree. And so when I was at Wilfrid Laurier, it was actually um, suggested to me that I should explore doing grad school at Ohio because they had that dual degree program Um, You could get an MBA, which was obviously really appealing. And then you could also master in sport administration. And because there wasn't really anything like that in Canada at the time, I jumped on it and um, really wanted to pursue it because in the back of my mind, I felt like no matter what, I'd end up leaving that program with an MBA that you could virtually use anywhere and is useful all the time. So in terms of investing in my education, I just felt like it was a well-rounded approach to, you know, further my development and and progress my career. So it kind of seemed like a no-brainer. 
Yeah, for sure. No, it seems like an amazing program for sure. And I'm sure you met a lot of incredible people as well as you probably learned a lot there too. And I mean, I feel like doing, you know, your MBA and whatnot is a bit different than psychology. So for you, when you were actually pursuing, you know, your MBA, did you feel like, you know what, this is actually more so what I want to do. I want to go the business route versus the psychology route. You know, I, psychology, even to this day is still a passion of mine in a pastime, if you will, out of curiosity, but I think as I had began to volunteer more with the football team at Wilfrid Laurier, it kind of just dawned on me that I would need some more business acumen that I didn't have. And I just like the practicality of it. Um, so obviously going from psychology to business is a, is a big jump. I didn't even take, you know, any electives in undergrad in business. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was coming in it really, really green. And Mm -hmm. I tried to self teach myself how to, how to study, um, Mm -hmm. for the GMAT. And I just bombed the GMAT miserably. And that came up actually in my interview at Ohio U. They said, you didn't exactly wow us with your Mm -hmm. GMAT score. Um, but I think for them, what was appealing was the fact that here was this Canadian girl coming into the States and wanting to work in football. So from a diversity perspective, I think that was probably appealing to them. So that led actually to the internship with the Hamilton Tiger Cats because they said, okay, we're not going to let you in this year, but if you go back to Canada, get a little bit more experience at the professional level in Canada, then we'll let you in for the following year. So it was kind of like I took a, like a a period of time off to do a fellowship, if you will. And uh, it was the best decision by all means. But it's interesting in that sense that, you know, you don't, just because you test poorly, um, or your score isn't what you'd want it to be. If anything, let that just be testimony that you can still do it. You know, the fact that I never had taken a business course in my life and still got an MBA still floors me to this day. So if anything, I hope that's encouragement to people that like, you don't have to be at the top of your class every time, or you don't have to nail it to still do it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's the most important lesson because not everyone, like you said, is test smart or like school smart, but you can be very business savvy and have those characteristics that you need to really excel in certain areas. So that I think is just huge encouragement to everyone because a lot of times I feel like the people we see featured in, you know, articles and on LinkedIn and whatnot were really the top of their class, 4.0, 4.1, 4.2 GPA, working Mm -hmm. these careers, um, you know, at Google, for example, where they had an internship since their freshman year. And the reality is that such a small percentage of people, and there's this massive, massive percentage of people that didn't go that route, still got to that same place at the end, like yourself working for an incredible organization, but you didn't necessarily take that route that people maybe quote unquote expect. So I think that is incredible encouragement hearing that entire story. And I mean, as you said, you got through it, you graduated, and you have an amazing career out of it. So it worked out so well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, that experience, doing your MBA, being at Ohio State, 
were you, you know, one of the only females in that program? Um, or were there quite a few females actually studying the same thing as you at that time? It was pretty balanced, believe mm-hmm. it or not. You know, they only admit 20, um, 20 kids a year. So you have a small class and I would say it was pretty split, uh, male, female. And I think what was kind of fun was that we all had different interests. You know, some people were more interested in working in the business side, whether that was sponsorship or sales at the college level, at the pro level. Um, there was, there were so many people doing so many different things, which I thought was really neat because it, it gave you a sense of appreciation for the different areas of sport that you could work in. Because I think even to this day, so many people don't realize all the different ways that you can work in sport. It doesn't have to look traditional. Like you don't have to just be a scout or a player or a coach or even just sell tickets. There's so many other things. And um, it was really neat to see that blossom at school. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's actually one of the most interesting things is that we forget that a lot of different companies have all these different roles in them that aren't necessarily the ones you expect almost. It's like, I think I've used this example on the podcast before. Um, You know, it's almost like you look at a company like Nordstrom or even like a Vogue magazine. You don't necessarily have to be a model. You don't have to be a writer. You could be doing something else for the organization if it truly is your dream organization to work for. So it's almost about exploring those other opportunities that are out there and just seeing if you can fit yourself in somewhere that isn't maybe, you know, that quote unquote, you know, again, expected role or traditional role for that organization. So it's kind of cool that you got to unveil all these different, um, you know, aspects of a sports team and sports league while doing that, you know, that studying, because I feel like going to school, sometimes we think we're only going to get, you know, book knowledge, but it seems like you also got a lot more just overall experience and kind of an insight into what the industry may look like post-grad. Yes. And one of the things I really enjoyed about Ohio was all of the professional development opportunities. The coursework obviously was important and it will always be important, but I think the Ohio Alumni Network is just so strong that there were so many volunteer opportunities that we had to get exposure to different experiences. Um, you know, all across the states, people would just kind of welcome you too with open arms. The idea with Ohio is that, you know, they've got this green book for alum and it's got every alumni listed in it. And theoretically, you should be able to just call up any alum at any point and ask them for a conversation or favors or just insight on different areas of sport or their their niche too so that was the one really cool thing about it and to this day anytime I meet someone who went to Ohio it's the first thing that comes up which I think is pretty special so I think the network coupled with the the course load is what made it so unique and Um, you know, it's, even though I graduated in 2013, you know, seven years later, that entire program has completely evolved again, because we're evolving so quickly in sport Mm -hmm. that education needs to change with it. And so now there's courses on sports gambling, which never existed when I was there, or 
people are really getting into and developing their analytics departments and coding departments, which didn't exist necessarily when I first started. So it's been really neat to see the evolution and um, yeah, a lot of props to that program because I definitely would not have made it this far without it. I'm curious. So right after graduating, did you start looking for jobs in the, in the NFL or did you perhaps at first think that maybe I'll go back to the CFL, work there for a bit and then transition over to the NFL? I always wanted to work in the NFL, especially right after school, but I was having trouble networking with people that worked on the football side specifically in the NFL. There aren't as much as or as strong as that alumni program is at Ohio, there, there weren't really a ton of alums that worked on the football operations side in the NFL. So in that respect, I was feeling a little bit stuck trying to find um, an internship opportunity with an NFL team. And so I was actually in my mind prepared to come home to Canada I actually had a interview lined up with Pepsi to be like a local territory distributor in the the Hamilton region. And I also was thinking of trying to get back in the CFL. And it wasn't until my mentor back in Canada, who is Marcel Belfay, and he was the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats at the time, gave me the suggestion to mail out Starbucks gift cards to every single general manager in the NFL with a copy of my resume asking for five minutes of their time over coffee. And it didn't, at, at the time I thought, okay, this is my last shot. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try this, but if it doesn't work out, I feel like I've done everything that I can to try and network and find an opportunity. And so initially he said to buy $5 gift cards. And I felt like I was a broke grad student already heavily in debt. And I thought, oh my gosh, $5 for 32 teams. I'm like, I don't even like how those numbers are working out. So (laughs) I, I cut it down to a $3 gift card and I mailed everything from my work, actually, while I was at Ohio to cut down on some of the mailing costs. They were very gracious to let me do that. And, um, you know, I just, it was a shot in the dark. I had no idea if what I was mailing out was actually going to make it on the desk of any general manager. And it's not like I was FedExing anything. So there's no way to track anything. It was just all snail mail almost. And, um, Lo and behold, a couple of days later, I got my first call back and it was from the San Francisco 49ers and they wanted to interview me for an opening that they had in player contracts. So already, you know, I would have been thrilled off that call alone to, <laughs> to say the least, but then I had actually received callbacks from a couple other teams. And then not long after that was when I got the call from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they were like, you know what, we'd like to fly you down tomorrow for an opening. And I promise you it couldn't have happened more serendipitously than that. And that was the end of it. I, they were deciding whether or not they were going to hire one or two people for an opening that they had in scouting and then also in player contracts, football administration is what it's technically called. Yeah. And they ended up hiring two of us and I got the football admin gig and my counterpart got the scouting gig and the rest is history. 
Wow. I am obsessed with that story, by the way. I think it's the coolest idea to actually <laughs> mail people Starbucks cards. Like I love yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I, and I can't, I don't, I can't take credit for it. My, my mentor had the idea. I would have never thought of doing something like that myself either, but he had a great point. People love yeah. free stuff. People for the most part love Starbucks. So yeah. you can't really go wrong. Exactly. And I think it was an article I read in the Florida Times, but they coined it the Starbucks plan. And they now, I mean, they say it's almost like a legend with the Jaguars. And I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a legend with me too. I feel like I might even use this. Like, I just feel like it's the best idea, such a great way and such a unique way too, because I feel like right now, you know, you email people, you reach out on LinkedIn and usually that's how you get in touch. And being able to really differentiate yourself in something that all those individuals will remember if they actually, you know, received it on their desk. I mean, even if they didn't reach out to you, I feel like they saw it, they remember you, and now they see you working for an incredible team and they know who you were and how you got there, which is so, so incredible. Yeah, I think it even surprised me a little bit, the lasting impression that it made. And, um, I think what's really cool is that people still reach out to me to this day who have heard of that and have said, Hey, I wanted to let you know, like I use the same tactic and these were the callbacks I got. And I just think it's really cool to ripple effect that things like that can have. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's just so unique and I love it. I love it so much and it, it works. I mean, it gets attention, which is what it's all about. And it's so great that you got a couple different interviews out of that experience as well. And the fact that the Jaguars flew you down, amazing. I mean, right. you know, yeah. And can you talk us through that experience, by the way? Like, did you almost feel like imposter syndrome in that moment? I, w I think I was running on a high because when they called to fly me down, so I was still in Ohio at the time. They were flying me out of Columbus. That was the next closest airport. And I had one of my classmates actually drive me to the airport in Columbus. We had to leave at like two in the morning because my flight out of Columbus was leaving at like five. Mm. And I, it was just, everything was so surreal. Even I remember landing in Jacksonville and getting picked up on, and brought down to the stadium by someone who would eventually become my next coworker. And I just the thought alone of thinking like, wow, this is actually real and pulling up to that stadium and thinking like, I can't believe I'm here was very surreal. Wow. Incredible. And how long was that interview process, by the way? Was it like a couple different oh rounds? Oh my gosh. It was insane. So in the NFL, I, I can't attest to how corporate world does this, but in the NFL, when you interview, it is a full-time job in itself. When they bring you in, you're interviewing for almost 12 hours straight. You're getting bounced around to almost every single person in the football ops department because they want you to meet everybody because everybody needs to be on board with the hire. And so when you're at rapid fire, getting all these questions and meeting, you know, 20 to 30 people at once, you really have to be on your A game. So it's, it's a little intense, but I also love it because it's kind of like a, like a little bit of a thrill. Yeah. And, it's a challenge. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just remember collapsing on that flight back to Columbus at the end of the day, but feeling really thankful and also feeling like, yeah, I nailed this, which was really neat. 
the fact that it's 12 hours straight, I feel like that's so unheard of in anything I've ever interviewed for. Usually it's about an hour, hour and a half max. I think it had an hour and 45 minute one once, but that was like, whoa, crazy. It's so long, but 12 hours, that is so, so much. And are they, you know, mostly there trying to pick up on your personality and if you'd fit into the the organization as a whole, or is a good mix of personality and then also do you actually have like the hard skills we're looking for to actually get this role done? It was truthfully because I was interviewing for an entry level position. I think at that point, now knowing what I know, being in the league, you're really interviewing for fit. So they want to know, does your character fit with ours? You know, what kind of personality do you have? Because at that rate, I think, most employers, especially in the NFL, they, they realize that you're not going to have a ton of experience, right? So of course, I still had my MBA to rely on. But and here I was at that age, like I was 25. And I thought, Oh, I know so much. I have an MBA now. Yeah. <laughs> and then hindsight, I'm like, Oh, wow, I knew nothing. But it was more or less just for personality and fit because I really learned everything on the job and I had a really gracious boss at the time his name was Tim Walsh and he is still at the Jacksonville Jaguars and he took the time to teach me everything that I would have needed to know and um, I felt like I was like a bull in a china shop a little bit because I (laughs) he had this like whole system and he wasn't used to working with another person and So when you get into that zone, it's just you and you have to really teach somebody else and you're not used to having to do that. It takes a lot. And now looking back, I'm even more grateful than I was at the beginning because I know how hard that is. Yeah, definitely. Like teaching is very different than actually doing. That's something I've experienced myself. Like not that I'm in any management position right now. This is my first job out of university, but you know, there's people that have joined our team and joined our organization after, you know, I joined and I've, you know, taken on some of the, I guess you can say, um, kind of the task of trying to onboard them and get them acquainted to our system and how the job is done. And I found, even though I know something, it doesn't mean I'm able to actually translate it in a way that they Mm -hmm. necessarily understand and can learn from. So it's amazing when you find someone like you did with your mentor and your boss, where it's like, Someone who's not only able to really excel at their role, but also teach you how to do it and teach you how to do it well. Yeah. And now that I've worked some years and I've seen what I've seen, it is, of course, as a director or a manager, that's your boss, that's your, excuse me, your role to teach the people that are beneath you so that, you know, they can fulfill your role one day or that they can grow into your role maybe somewhere else. Um, but at the same time, the way that the NFL moves and how quickly it moves, sometimes that's hard to do. And so to be able to take that time out and guide me along the way just really means so much. And that is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. For sure. And let's fast forward. So you worked at the Jaguars, you know, for a couple of years, which is amazing. You went on to work with the Mamba Sports Academy, which is, of course, um, you know, Kobe's academy that he started up and, you know, ran. So do you want to talk a bit about that? You were a director of business operations and how did you get the role there? Why did you want to transition from an NFL team to do this? Um, and talk us through that experience. 
So when I was in Jacksonville, I'd spent four years in Jacksonville and I'd kind of felt like I had reached as far as I could in that role there. And again, I loved my boss, Tim. He's been there for 25 years and, you know, he, he was staying put and he's great at his job. So he should stay put, but it's kind of like you get to this point sometimes in your role where you feel like, you know, you've, you've hit the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had there and I had received this awesome opportunity through friends actually to go out to LA and try this startup and see if I was good at something else other than football. And um, I wanted to jump on it. And I did, you know, I, I felt like I always loved LA. I've got friends that are like family in LA. And there was something very appealing about that. And I did it. And um, I don't regret it for one minute because working in a startup, you have to remain extremely flexible because, you know, your, your work responsibilities, your workloads, your projects change daily. And there's, there's not a lot of stability in startup culture. And believe it or not, I actually credit that experience to helping me right now during the pandemic, because I feel similar now to when I did in LA in that I'm having to be extremely flexible right now. I have to be extremely understanding and think on my toes and evolve and adapt because we're, we're in this landscape right now where none of us can do anything that's normal. Mm -hmm. So it actually really primed me pretty well to, to handle some of the crazy that is going on right now. Obviously no one could have seen this coming and there's there's I don't think there's anything really in the world that can truly prepare you for a global pandemic but no. in terms of you know maturing and being able to go with the flow a little bit that experience really helped Wow. Yeah, no, for sure. And I definitely agree. Flexibility is just an asset to have. And again, a lot of different facets of life, whether it be professional, social, family, whatever it may be. And being able to kind of get those skills from working at a startup at that time. And I know it's grown a lot in the last couple of years, but a startup when you were there, I mean, it gives you different sets of skills than you would get working at a larger corporation. And it seems like you had a great time there. You learned a lot, which is again, amazing and probably really helped you when you actually went over to the Falcons and, and got your role there, I, I would assume. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I remember laughing a little bit because in the NFL, everything is so structured. Everything is so regimented. You know what to expect at all times, even though things can get a little busy and a little crazy the the entire season is cyclical so you generally have a feel for what's going to happen in each month and um when i when i came back into the nfl after working for mamba sports academy i remember just thinking like oh wow this is what it feels like to come in every day and and truly know what to expect and it was it was just seemed funny at the time not that one is better than the other but getting back into it i just I just felt like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for everybody at the academy. Um, my job responsibilities there, like I said, were very fluid. So it could be something like helping 
with a, with a project. So they might have, you know, an international pro team come and train there for maybe a month on end and you're providing full circle support to that team. So, you know, you've got your meal services, your strength and conditioning, um, any physical therapy or working with any of the on-site doctors, you've got sports psych, you've got, you know, the actual training for their sport, recovery, all of those things. And it was on us to provide the support and scheduling to ensure smooth flow for those teams coming in or individual athletes, you know, mm -hmm. the whole MO over there was full circle training. And that's what we tried to do for them. So from a logistics perspective, a big part of my job was just working on the fly to ensure that people had the best experience possible there. No, yeah, for sure. No, that sounds amazing. You know, the work that you did there. And I mean, I feel like in all the different roles that you've described to me just now on the call, it seems like you're doing a lot of different things and kind of picking up a lot along the way, which is really cool because again, you didn't necessarily study business for that long, yet you're able to enter into these incredible, again, organizations. I know I've said the word incredible probably 30,000 times in the span of <laughs> half an hour. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like you're, you're working for these great places doing obviously a kick-ass job and you're thriving and you're really just able to pick up a lot of this, it seems, on the fly. You're learning. You're able to be flexible, like you said, and you're able to really make a difference where you are too, which is really all anyone can ask for of a star employee. So, you know, just so, so cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So I, I do want to kind of talk as well. Um, you know, you are in an organization in general that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is probably more filled with males than females at this point in time. So right. have you ever felt any pressures as, you know, someone in the quote unquote minority um, at an organization, you know, that is male dominated or has it really even crossed your mind because people just treat everyone so, you know, equally and, and whatnot? I think as women, and especially when you know you are one of the only women, we have this tendency to overthink a little bit, you know, because we want everything to be just perfect. We want to present ourselves in the most perfect way. And I say that because that's how I felt like I really was at the beginning of my career in the NFL. You know, I felt like I was overly harsh and judgmental on myself because I just wanted to blend in and not stand out as a woman. I didn't want to be treated differently, even if people did. Um, and there was never necessarily any malintent behind that on the other party's part. But I think I probably put more pressure on myself than was really needed. Because when I get back to saying, you know, you'll get hired if you're a fit, if you, you're a character fit, you won't get treated any differently because, you know, you, you're a part of that team, you know, and um, I don't think necessarily that I've been treated differently because I, again, it's like when you are one of the only women working with a bunch of men, it's like nobody, nobody forced me to take this career path. I obviously must enjoy working with men to mm -hmm. have chosen a career path in the NFL. So I, it never really dawned on me, but I will say I put a lot of pressure on myself 
in the beginning, for example, you know, I never, I never wanted to stand out too much. So I didn't wear makeup in the beginning or, um, I'd avoid any excessive jewelry or, um, clothing that I felt like might be too flashy. I just wanted to blend. It was always a lot of black, a lot of gray, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And I, and in hindsight, it made myself smaller. And I'm sharing this because it took all those years at the beginning to get to the point where I am now, I'm 32, where I have this essence about me where I'm just confidently going to be myself, whatever I feel that is. And as long as you're genuine and true to that, no matter what, people will accept you for you and treat you the same. But I put too much pressure on myself at the beginning to be what I thought that they wanted me to be when in reality they just want you to be yourself Mm -hmm. and I feel more successful now than I did before even though I still had the same title now as I had in Jacksonville I feel more successful now because I'm leaning into myself more now and sometimes that comes with age but as words of encouragement I'd want to share to younger women that are just starting out and that may also feel those types of pressures to just work on relieving yourself of those pressures and be yourself, be as genuine and authentic to yourself as you can be, because you will succeed just being yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. Oh, I love that. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that story because I feel like it's, you know, not not everyone is so open about their experiences and it's so nice to hear you talk about that and also talk about that transition you went in personally, you know, from your earlier years to now and in hearing how that transformation has affected you in such a positive way. And I mean, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I I think it's great advice and it's so nice. And I feel like a lot of women out there probably maybe going through something similar, maybe have you know, fears of entering into an industry that may be male dominated or, you know, in some way they are a minority entering into whatever industry they're going into. And hearing that, you know, there's people like yourselves out there who, who've gone out and done it and, you know, have been able to find themselves through the process. I think it's comforting and it's also good for them to hear just in general because it's inspiring too. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I loved hearing your story. So cool. Like how you transitioned from studying psychology to not really even being into football to now working for a lot of different NFL teams and doing so well, you know, in all of your roles. So great story. And thank you so much for coming. I really appreciated it. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy talking about career paths and how I got where I did and Um, It's just an honor to be sitting here talking with you. So thank you. Amazing. And last thing before we go, if people do want to find your reach out, where's the best place to do so? LinkedIn is a good place. You can just look up my name on LinkedIn and I'm happy to talk any career questions on there and I check it regularly. So yeah, hit me a line. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You work hard. Switching to Metro isn't. This holiday, there's zero fees to switch. Right now, get high-speed data for just 25 bucks a line for four lines. That's Metro's lowest price, period. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Metro by T-Mobile. 
empowering you to rule your holiday. Plus device sales tax with eligible port in a Note T-Mobile service in past 180 days. One phone per line while supplies last. If new line deactivates, all lines lose four line promo rate. Additional terms apply. Limited time offer. See Metro by T-Mobile.com.